Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Happy Lord's Day. Happy Lord's Day. Let us praise God for the sun this morning. And be smog pa ba? Breathe in, breathe out. Kung medyo hinika, may smog pa rin. Let us prepare our hearts for worship this morning. Actually, uh, if you look to the right, our band is quite small today. We only have Ahia Pur in the guitar, Ati Pauline in the piano. Um, and some of us, we might not feel like we're in the mood to worship. Parang we're not excited to worship the Lord. Do you relate? If this is the case, then maybe you're missing out on the point of worship. Picture this. The topic this morning is Jesus, the righteous judge. And now imagine Jesus, the perfect, omniscient, all-knowing judge. If he were to judge you right now for all that you've done, just the past week, all that you've done, every thought you've ever had. But not only that, our motives, the motives of our hearts. If he were to judge you right now based on what you deserve, brothers and sisters in Christ, it is a very terrifying thing to be judged by a righteous one like Jesus without the blood of the Lamb. But praise God because his mercy is more. And he judges us based on a righteousness that is not ours. So if this doesn't inspire you to worship, I don't know what will. So let us meditate on our one audience this morning. Let us rise and sing songs of praise to the one who deserves all.
before the Lord in prayer? Indeed, there are no words good enough to thank you. There are no words close enough or accurate enough to describe that moment in eternity when a great multitude that no one can count from every tongue, tribe, and people group will stand before your throne. Every tongue will confess, every knee will bow down to worship, casting our crowns before you, our King, giving glory and honor to your Son, the Lamb of God. We are your people. We are your children, redeemed by your blood. Now, none of us deserve to even stand here. But Lord, we thank you for the privilege. Lord, we praise you as a merciful judge. Thank you for your forgiveness of sins. Thank you for mercy that is more than we ask or deserve stronger than darkness and new every morning none of us deserve it but we humbly accept it lord in the same way we praise you as a righteous judge and you the righteous judge will not make any mistake when you judge all people at the end of this age because you are omnipotent you can bring every person and every single truth into your presence because you are omnipresent, you know all things. And because you are omniscient, you understand everyone's actions and motivations. Because you are God, we can count on you to bring righteous judgment. Whereas some corrupt judges can be bribed on this earth, you will give the right judgment in the right way. Because of this, we rest securely in your presence and in your promise. We anticipate your return with hope to judge your enemies, to save your people, and to consummate your kingdom. Yes, we may be mistreated in this world. We may encounter injustice. We may be wronged. But one day, you will return to make all things right. You are the judge of all people and you will judge our every thought and our every action and our every desire. You are a righteous judge and you will stop the wickedness of evildoers and reward those who are good. Lord, may you protect this congregation from false teachers and prophets who you said would increase in the last days. Help each member of this church discern between the godly and the false and help them to hold on to your truth. We pray that we would have unity amidst diversity, loving those with whom we have nothing in common except the gospel. We pray that we will grow a culture of making disciples and a hunger for studying your word so that everyone can be guided that everyone can be guarded by it. We lift up those who are sick. We remember loved ones with long-term illnesses. We rejoice for new additions to our families. We pray for hope for the discouraged among us and strength for those who are weak. We pray for courage to live out our faith in this generation 
and the boldness to witness to your good news. We pray for your anointing upon our speaker this morning. Bless those who come to worship you and who abide by your word. Let your grace fall upon us. Let your love cover us. May your Spirit's presence fill us, speak to us, and minister to us. We give you back all the praises and all the glory and honor. May you be exalted by everything that you see and hear today. This is our prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I'm both thrilled and honored to introduce to you our special speaker for today. This is the second time that he'll be ministering to us. The first was online during the pandemic. So this will be the first time that we'll be seeing him in person. He's been in vocational ministry for 10, 19 years, and most of these are focused on reaching the youth high school and college students. He's currently leading a foundation that helps church plants throughout the Philippines. And he has just planted a church in Quezon City. Before this, he served as a campus missionary with Every Nation Campus in a variety of roles. He graduated from Ateneo de Manila University with a degree of political science. Together with his spouse, they make online content that reaches people through their podcast entitled Anything Goes with the Bonnies. And as you can see, he has been happily married to his lovely better half for 13 years. They have two sons, Philip and Manu. Let us give a warm and make welcome to Pastor Joseph and Carla Bonifacio. Thank you, uh, Reverend Jason. Good morning to everyone, and it's a privilege and a joy to worship with you this morning. I was excited when uh, Reverend Jason sent me the worship lineup, and I was thrilled because these are some of my favorite songs. And uh, so I was really looking forward to being here. Um, I'm also honored and uh, weighed down by the message that, that was, was assigned uh, to preach about Jesus the righteous judge. I understand that you have been going through a three-month series on Jesus Christ. And we've heard, and I've actually listened to many of them. Thank you for making it available online. I've been able to go back and listen to them to these anointed messages by Pastor Gabriel Tan, Pastor Daniel Yam, uh, Reverend Anthony, and of course, Reverend Jason. And I'm just going to do a quick rundown of these messages, just to review, to keep these in mind as we end with Jesus, the righteous judge. We've talked about Jesus, the great I am, the truth, the light of the world, the door to salvation, the bread of life, the resurrection and the life. Jesus, the eternal word of God. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the servant king. Jesus, the son of God. Jesus, the chief cornerstone. Jesus, our high priest. Jesus, our ever-present help. 
our advocate. And it's so, uh, it's such a blessing to see these different things. In fact, for I realized when I was listening to many of the messages from your church that some of my favorite worship songs are the ones that do talk about the different names of Jesus, his different roles. And it brings me back to a song that I would meditate on even as a child that, that uh, went like this. It says, Lord, you are everything I need for you to be. In every moment of my life, whatever I'm going through at that moment, do I need strength? Do I need peace of mind? Do I need wisdom? You are who I need you to be in that moment. Which brings us to today, Jesus the righteous judge. Allow me to read the text from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. This is at the end of the epistle of Paul to Timothy, near the end of his life, a very personal very uh, uh, heavy moment in his life. And Paul says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race, the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all, who have longed for his appearing. We're talking about Jesus, the righteous judge today. And this is a doctrine that growing up in church for me, I loved the other ones. If you talk about him being the son of God, being the advocate, the high priest, okay, great, that ministers to me. But the judge, kind of scary, kind of intimidating. I'm not sure how I can celebrate that. I'm not sure how I can be happy about that unless I'm some kind of sadistic personality where, yes, I want everybody to be judged. I don't know. Is that how I can enjoy this doctrine? But I believe today that uh, this text is here. Like Paul, he's looking at the end of his life and the comfort that he has. The comfort that he has, even in a time of great injustice, great suffering, great loneliness, abandonment by some of his closest friends, the comfort that he has is that Jesus is a righteous judge. And so for today's short message, I want to share on the reality of eternal judgment, the range of eternal judgment, and the righteousness of eternal judgment. The reality of eternal judgment, why we we must face it, the range, how far does it go, how extensive is it, even as Reverend Jason prayed earlier, and ultimately the righteousness that we can take joy in. First of all, the reality of eternal judgment. Eternal judgment is one of the most foundational beliefs of Christianity. Uh, It is difficult to find a belief that we we can worship in different ways, in different styles. Uh, The church we just planted, like Reverend Jason said, uh, is different from this church. uh, The building is definitely not as beautiful as this. I loved worshiping in, in this building. It's very different from the church I came from as well. And I believe the ability to worship God in different styles is a blessing. Just like we can worship God with different languages. I pointed out to my son when there was a Chinese verse earlier. And I said, one day we'll be in heaven. And we will hear the different languages worship. And we will understand. And that's a beautiful thing. So there's great variety in the body of Christ. Different ways that we can worship. And yet in doctrine, in orthodox doctrine, we are aligned. That Jesus is the Son of God. That he died for our sins, he rose again, and one of those core beliefs is eternal judgment. 
It's in every foundational statement in the Apostles' Creed. It says, He ascended to heaven, is seated at the right hand of the God the Father Almighty, and from there He will come to judge the living and the dead. It's in the Nicene Creed, which is foundational to our faith as well. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. The reality of the eternal judgment. It is not a, an optional part of the Bible. It's not a, a, an optional part of our faith. And one of my favorite books, the book Classic Christianity, which captures uh, theological principles from the church fathers, from, you know, Origen and all the, uh, Augustine all the way to the present. It says, it's difficult to imagine any Christian teaching more universally received than this. It is rejected chiefly by those who having abandoned scriptural teaching, cherish the delusions of modern optimism. In this final court, sin is understood in its essence simply as unresponsiveness to God's saving mercy revealed in glory. Sin is just unresponsiveness. God has been reaching out message after message after message. The heavens declare the glory of God. The stars proclaim the work of His hands. And sin is just someone who says, I refuse to listen to this. The eternal judgment. Now, people don't like this concept. People reject it. It's harmful. It's archaic. It creates evil in the world. Like Reverend Jason said, I enjoy going on campus and, and talking to young people. And, and very often, this is one of the biggest, the most common pushbacks. How, how can God judge? Who, who are you to say that? The reality is, though, is that people often complain against judgment, not because of any real reason other than, I want to live a life free of consequences. And the truth is, eternal judgment is not just a reality. It's actually a good reality for a world. First of all, a world without judgment is unrealistic. All of us make judgments. The way you turn a relativist person into someone with absolute morals is when they suffer a crime. Any relativistic person, when they are stolen from, when they are wronged, when they are cheated, suddenly gains morals. Suddenly, it's not about it's true for you, it's true for me. Suddenly, no, there is a right, there is a wrong, you have to draw a line somewhere. We all make judgments. The question is, which judgment is right? Secondly, a world without judgment is unloving and unjust. When something wrong is done, the first question we ask is, who will answer for this? Why is that? Because deep down inside, in our hearts, we know something must answer for wrongdoing. And it's unloving if we don't do that. I have two sons, like Reverend Jason mentioned. Uh, one time I was in, a, uh, in Kidzuna, that um, playground area. And generally, my wife and I try to let them learn their own lessons. If someone's fighting them, then okay, let's see if they can figure it out so they can develop the social skills. But there's this one kid who just would not stop irritating my older son. He would grab whatever toy my son was gathering. My son was gathering the play money. He would grab it at it, and then he would, and then my son would, you know, just, okay, fine, I'll play with something else. And he would grab that thing. And he was an older kid, so my son talked to him, and he said, hey, what are you doing? Stop, you know, just... Get what you want to get, I'm going to get what I want to get. We don't have to fight each other here, and the kid would not stop. And so my son talked to me, and I, call, and I, and I said to my son, okay, don't worry, I got this. And, and I went to the kid, and in front of his dad, and I went to the, and I said, what are we doing here? 
I said, what are we going to do? Are we going to play together well or are we not going to play together well? Because my son has been respectful to you and I, I could not hold back my anger because at this point, this, this has been enough, uh, enough is enough. And I said, you can either get your son under control or we're going to call the administration and let's figure this out with them. What's going to happen? Ah, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, 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 and the boy stayed away from my son. And then uh, my son wasn't doing anything to him. But every time my, he would look up and he would run in the other direction. It would have been unloving for me if my son had gone to me and said, Papa, this boy has bullied me, taken my toys, and I just said, it's okay. If there's no justice, how can we call that love? So if God in heaven, like Reverend Jason said, people have, we have unjust uh, judges here. We have imperfect judges here. Even with all the attempts of the legal system to bring justice, today is the bar exam. People are, 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 are you know, hoping for justice as imperfect as it is, our final judges in heaven, how loving would God be if we get to heaven? And he goes, eh, eh, everyone makes mistakes. Victims of rape and murder, victims of, of crime, and God goes, eh, you know what? Come on, relax. Could we call him a just judge then? No. In fact, not only that, but the doctrine of eternal judgment is the doctrine that keeps us from resorting to taking justice into our own hands because we have a judge in heaven. The doctrine of eternal judgment allows us to forgive and to overlook in this life because God will bring all things to justice. Without the doctrine of eternal judgment, we are doomed to cycles of violence and revenge and vindictiveness because I need to take matters into my own hands. In one of my favorite books, a book I highly recommend to anybody with questions about the Christian faith, the book The Reason for God by the late uh, Tim Keller, he writes there about the doctrine of eternal judgment where people say, this is a terrible doctrine. And he says, no, actually, people, uh, theologians, Christians, who have undergone immense suffering point to the doctrine of eternal judgment as the only reason for why they can lay down their desire for revenge. And he talks about a, a Christian uh, in Serbia, Miroslav Volf, who is a, a theologian. And he, he writes here, can our passion for justice be honored in a way that does not nurture our desire for blood vengeance? Volf, that Serbian Christian, says the best resource for this is the belief, this is the concept of God's divine justice. If I don't believe that there is a God who will eventually put all things right, I will take up the sword and will be sucked into the endless vortex of retaliation. Only if I am sure that there's a God who will right all wrongs and settle all accounts perfectly, do I have the power to refrain some of you need to hear that today. You are angry over a wrong that was done to you. You were cheated by someone who stole from you and you're still monitoring that person's life on social media. I don't know why people do that. Why do you follow people you don't like on social media? Unfollow them. But that's why it's robbing your peace. And you're following them and you're following them. Enjoy life. And you're seeing them get better. And you're saying, yeah, that should have been my life. You took it from me. Stop.
stop. God is just. He sees the reality of eternal. It is an inescapable thing. It is necessary for this world. Isaiah says, when your judgments are on the earth, people learn righteousness. We need judgment. It is an impractical uh, uh, fantasy to say there is a world without judgment. The, the question is rightness of the judgment. What we need is right judgment. What we need is correct judgment. And it leads us to the second point, the range of God's judgment. God's judgment is thorough. He will judge people for every act and every word. Matthew 12, 36 says, I tell you, everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Ouch. I talk a lot. Hala. I'm going to have to give an account for that. God will have to give an account for every Facebook post posted, every comment left, every reaction made. 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, good or bad. On the one hand, this gives us great assurance, right? No one gets away with it. Thank God. Our world loves fantasy and judgment. Don't we just love uh, movies or TV shows about with revenge content where the beginning is someone suffers, you know, they, they do something bad and the whole movie is about paying them back. I was watching John Wick with my son and my son said, wow, Papa, this is amazing action. But all of this for one dog? Because our world loves revenge. We want to see evil paid for. It gives us great assurance. The internet tries to do that with cancel culture today. Right? Well, just the past couple of weeks, if you're following American celebrity news, so many celebrities are being canceled and people are saying, it's about time, it's about time. And yet their judgment is imperfect. There are people who are wrongly judged. There are many people who get away with it. The doctrine of eternal judgment gives us peace on one hand, but on the other hand, should give us great concern. Because if no one gets away with it, if every deed and every word spoken, that's not limited to politicians. That's not limited to business tycoons. That's not limited to celebrities. That's not limited to billionaires. That's, that includes all of us. That includes you. That includes me. Every word spoken. Every thought, every selfish motive. Reverend Jason prayed, he is omniscient, he knows every motive. That, oh my gosh, that, that's difficult for me because I've, how many times have I done that? How many times have I preached sermons where I was more conscious of how I was appearing to people than God's message through his word to the congregation? And no matter how anointed it may have seemed in the moment, God knew the narrative, the dialogue I had in my head. God knows that, and that will be revealed. I've tried to discipline my children. I've tried to be, uh, uh, but how many times have I done it more out of frustration, out of inconvenience, out of discomfort instead of loving kindness to them? More times than I can count. That will be revealed on the judgment seat of God. 
How many times have I talked to my wife and I could have been more loving and I could have been more patient and instead I was irritable? How many times have I tried to make it her fault when it was really mine? That will be revealed in the judgment seat of Christ. Everything will be exposed. The range of God's judgment is honestly terrifying. Maybe your spouse, you congratulate yourself because your spouse is worse than you. You're the more religious one. You're the more consistent one in church. That doesn't make you innocent. Even if he or she is guilty, maybe you are as well. Maybe your parents did you wrong and you are the way you are because of what they passed on to you. That doesn't make you innocent. They will have to answer for theirs, but you will have to answer for yours. Maybe there are other businesses that are more unethical than yours. And so you look around and you say, well, you know, if God's going to grade on a curve, then, you know, I'm definitely going to pass. If that guy's there, then I'm going to pass. He doesn't grade on a curve. Maybe other people have extramarital affairs and you don't. But if you're looking at pornography, what's the difference in the spirit? The range of God's judgment is terrifying. Every act of selfishness, every moment of self-centeredness, every moment of greed and lust. Jesus said, if you hate your brother in your heart, if you look at a woman with lust, that's murder, that's adultery. All of that will be exposed. Every time you gave in to impatience, every hurtful word that you either said out loud or muttered under your breath, every curse we wished on someone else will be exposed. The Bible says, Lord, if you marked our transgressions, who could stand? Who could stand? And it will be right. It will be right, just like uh, David in Psalm 51, verse 3, where he says, For I know my transgressions, my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. A lot of people have a fantasy that, no, when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell God, you didn't do enough. That's a pipe dream. When we get to heaven and His glory is revealed to us, His majesty is revealed to us, and the rottenness of our sin, all we can say is, I, I, I plead guilty. You are right in your judgment. The reality of eternal judgment. It's essential in this world, but with the range of eternal judgment, none of us can stand, which leads us to the final point. What makes this whole doctrine beautiful is the righteousness of eternal judgment. No one escapes. What hope do we have of passing this judgment? What hope does any of us have of standing there before him? Well, our hope is in the judge. Who is the judge? Jesus. The one we've been talking about in this church for the past three months. The advocate, the intercessor, the high priest, the salvation, the, the re resurrection and the life. That's your judge. The one who died for you. That's why Hebrews 9, 27 to 28. Just as people are destined to die once, 
and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Imagine Judgment Day. You and uh, we all individually taking our turns, standing before the judgment seat of God. We, our sins are exposed, every idle word, every thought, every action is like, oh gosh. And then you look at the judge and the eyes of that judge looking at you are kind, compassionate eyes. And you see his hand and in his hands are the holes from the nails that he bore your suffering. And that judge says, I don't know what sin they're talking about. That, that song we, we sang earlier, what love could remember, no wrongs we have done. He's omniscient, he's all-knowing, but he counts not the sum. He doesn't know my sin because he forgot them, because he paid the price for my sin. So even as you say, I plead guilty, he said, no, no, not guilty. I know him. I know her. I've paid the price for that person. That is the hope of the judgment day for us. I love the way, allow me to read this quote. It's a bit lengthy, but I love the way Thomas Oden wrote it in that book, Classic Christianity. He said, this judge mercifully bears in his own body the marks of his passion for the adjudged. Does this judge love me? Does this judge care about me? It, yes. How do you know? You can see it on his own body. The marks. The Bible says that, that, that Jesus is the lion and the lamb of Judah. But when John looked at the throne, he saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. The marks of our salvation are on the judge and the throne. You're saved. This judge is the man on the cross who has already been condemned for the sins of the world. It's uniquely fitting that the same God-man who came to save humanity from sin should be the judge of sin. We are judged by the one who can empathize with our human condition and can understand the obstacles that make our lives so imperfect. The mercy of the final judge is wholly just. And the justice of the judge is incomparably merciful. Merciful justice, just mercy. The judgment will be final and unchangeable with no appeal. That's the hope for all who wait on Jesus. I will stand before God and my credentials, my achievements, my ministry, my giving to the church, none of that matters. But what he will see, he won't see my sin either though because he paid the price for that and we have put our faith on that. You stand before that judge and the face is friendly. The eyes are loving and compassionate. The hands bear the mark of the punishment he bore for you and me. Our sins have been taken away, removed as far as the east is from the west, and the judge says to you, not guilty. I know you. This person is mine. This person is my child. If you are in Christ, 
That is the doctrine of the final judgment for you. And if that was true, if you really believed that, what else do we have to fear in this life? What else could life throw at us that could possibly rock or ruin our day? Because you know at the end of all things, not only do you pass the test, you pass with flying colors. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you talk to students and then they're afraid, you know, of, 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 of our, our exams. How differently would you face your exams? How differently would the people taking the bar take this today if they knew, you know what, at the end, I, alam ko pasado ako eh. I know I'm going to pass when this is done. Peace. Confidence. Because I know that in the final scheme of things, my judge sees. This is the reality of judgment. This is the range of God's judgment and ultimately the righteousness of God's judgment in us. How then should we live? How then should we live as we close this message? Well, we should live like the Apostle Paul. Going back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. Confidence. I'm already poured out, he said, like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. How do you have confidence and peace? How do you have security in that time? It's because you know at the ultimate end of things, God, is, God sees. I am saved. My salvation, my assurance, my eternal destiny, none of that is in question. Kahit mawala pa tong lahat, kahit magkasakit pa ako, kahit mahirapan pa ako, I can go through all of these different things. At the end of all of it, I will stand before my judge. And he has pronounced me righteous already. Like we sang earlier, by the blood of Christ we stand. By the blood of Christ, we face the problems of this life. By the blood of Christ, we expect tomorrow to be good. By the blood of Christ, we have no fear in this life. How then should we live? If you are in Christ, you live with that comfort. I, I like this quote, and, and I'll end with this. It's called the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, uh, a pastor named Heidelberg wrote it to teach the Bible to his congregation. And he would ask them questions and then they would respond. And he said, what comfort is it to you that Christ will come to judge the living and the dead? And the response is, in all my sorrow and persecution, I lift up my head and eagerly await as judge from heaven the very same person who before has submitted himself to the judgment of God for my sake. And has removed all the curse from me. He will cast all his and my enemies into everlasting condemnation, but he will take me and all his chosen ones to himself into heavenly joy and glory. When I'm going through my suffering, what does he say? In my sorrow, in my persecution, what do I do? I lift up my hand and I look at the one who will judge all things, who has taken away the curse from me. How do we live today? Lift up your head. Remember Jesus. 
What a privilege that this church has spent three months learning who Jesus is, all of the, the traits and, and, and the roles and, and, the, and the blessings that he has for us culminating in the fact that he is the righteous judge who makes all things new. And if you're not a believer in him today, why wouldn't you like to be? Wouldn't you like to have that assurance in the final scheme of things? What insurance policy could possibly be better than this? What, what, what retirement plan could guarantee greater security than this? But to know that even if the worst should happen, I will stand before him and I will be declared not guilty because he has already suffered the penalty for my sins. This is the comfort we have in knowing Jesus is the righteous judge. And I pray that this will guide us in this life as well. Let me pray, and then I'll turn over to Reverend Jason. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you do in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you are complete, that everything we could ever need, everything we could ever want, you are already fulfilling. Lord, I thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we even turned to you, before we even thought about you, you already reached out your hand to save. And so, Lord, I pray that you will help us to put our trust in you in this moment. Lord, I pray for those who are not yet followers of Jesus here. I pray that today that you will birth saving faith in their hearts to trust in you, to look to you, to say, Lord, I'm tired of proving myself. I'm tired of giving my own assurance. I'm tired of thinking that my work or my business or my success or my morality, my charity work will save me. Lord, today I want you to save me. Jesus Christ, I don't deserve it. I haven't done anything to earn it. But thank you for loving me. And Lord, I thank you that as they put their faith in you that way, that you, you, you will save them. That even now, Lord, as the Bible says, that today is the day of salvation. And Lord, I pray for those believers here today who are being buffeted by the problems of life, who are beat down, worn out, discouraged. Uh, some of us, Lord, have uh, been listening too much to the messages of this world, and we're affected by the fears of this world the peace and order situation in the world, the, the, the pandemic, um, uh, economic uh, prospects, the situation of our country. And it's robbed us of our fear. It's uh, of our joy. It's robbed us of our peace. And Lord, today I thank you that as the righteous judge, you are showing us that you hold all things in your hand. Lord, I pray for peace of mind today on your people. Lord, I pray for those marriages that are stressed. Lord, they're, they're, they're fighting. I pray for those families that are stressed, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your peace will be on these homes. And Lord, our peace comes not from our own ability to secure ourselves, not from our own ability to, to get the peace. But Lord, our, our peace comes from the fact that we have put our trust in the living God. And Jesus will be the one to make all things right. Lord, we lift up to you our present-day concerns. We lift up to you the, the people taking the bar. We lift up to you the people who are concerned about their careers, about their tuition, about their, their work. Lord, we thank you that you will take care of these things as you have taken care of the most difficult, the most important, the most ultimate thing, which is our eternal security, Lord. You have already taken care of that. 
so we can have peace in knowing you will take care of everything else as well. Jesus, thank you for being our righteous judge. I pray that when the time comes that we stand before you, we will all experience the joy of looking in your eyes, Lord. The eyes of the one who has loved us and the security of being called your good and faithful servant and to enter into the joy of the Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name. beautiful message and beautiful prayer may we may i invite you to rise uh, for a song of response on that day as we stand before that righteous judge may we behold to see the man on the cross
praise Jesus. You may now sing. Thank you to our worship team for that beautiful response. I know you want more of Pastor Joe, right? Yes, you can have more this Tuesday, September 26th at 8 p.m. will be our next BISPRO event uh, together with his spouse. Uh, they will speak on the topic, the business of marriage. Do we have a video? Okay, so, uh, surprise na lang daw. Walang video. <laughs> okay, so, uh, hope you can invite all your friends, uh, family members, relatives to attend. Uh, I'm sure you'll be blessed just as we are blessed today. Our adult baptism will be held at the baptistry on the roof deck next Sunday, the 1st of October at 8.30 a.m. Uh, 13 brothers and sisters are expected to receive their baptism. Everyone is invited to witness this very important church ordinance. Inviting all our brothers, and uh, inviting all our sisters in Christ, age 40 and above, to join our women's ministry this September 27, Wednesday from 2 to 4.30 p.m. at the NMEX second floor function room. Reverend Anthony Techico will be sharing on how to do evangelism or how to share the gospel. Snacks and coffee will be provided. Those who wish to attend may register with Sister Pinky Ongchan until next Sunday, September 24. By the way, our Bispro event this Tuesday, we also have coffee time starting at 7 p.m. So you can come early. Our church will be turning 23 on October 8. So let us come together to celebrate 23 years of God's goodness and faithfulness through a Thanksgiving worship service. Again, on October 8th, Sunday at 10 a.m., Reverend Dr. Neil Alan T., the current president of Biblical Seminary of the Philippines, will be our featured speaker. NMEC Metro North, as well as our Mandarin Ministry Group and our youth group, will all be joining our joint celebration that day. To start off our anniversary activities, as well as to intercede, for the church on the occasion of her 23rd founding anniversary, a church-wide prayer and fasting will be held this October 2 to 6. Materials for our prayer and fasting will be posted on our Facebook page starting on September 27. The prayer and fasting week will culminate with a joint prayer rally on October 6, Friday, 
7.30 p.m. at the Lower Chapel. Take note, this is an on-site event starting at starting at 7.30 p.m. instead of the usual 8 p.m. Our kids will also have their praise and prayer night called Starry Starry Night at our second floor function room at the same time or simultaneously. They'll experience the joy of praying for the church and for one another in an indoor camping setup. So bring your kids along. For this anniversary, we will also have a testimony wall featuring 23 stories of God's goodness and faithfulness in the lives of NMEC members and attendees. So far, we already have 23 stories, praise God. And these 23 stories will be featured during our anniversary celebration. Now, please save the date. Our NMEC enrichment camp will be back next year. It will be held at the First Pacific Leadership Academy in Antipolo from March 28 to 30. That's Thursday to Saturday during Holy Week. We'll keep you posted for more details in the coming weeks. If you need English or Tagalog New Testament Bibles to give away to your friends, office mates, or to your company employees, you can get free copies from Sister Jing at the third floor lobby after the service. If you want to be part of a discipleship group or a small group, you can contact any of our pastoral team members and we'll be glad to connect you to a group. If you need prayers, you can remain at the worship hall and there will be pastors who will be praying for you. We have two flower offerings for today. The first one is from the family of the late Elder S.C. Shangkwan in memory of his 27th homegoing anniversary. The second is from the family of Sister Wang Tieng Karonan in commemoration of her second death anniversary. Right now, we would like to welcome any first-time visitors in our midst. This tries to be recognized. Any first-time visitors or guests among us? Okay, if there are, please join us for a cup of coffee and some snacks at the, second, uh, the third floor lobby out, just outside uh, after the worship service. Please rise for the benediction. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face continue to shine upon you and may he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.
Thank you for worshiping with us, both on-site and online. May the Lord bless your week. Remember, the best is yet to come. See you next week.